got something done, like, we did a whole build-out and shit that, he was like, you know, just get what you can done, and I called him, he's like, oh, how far did you get? I'm like, well, Christian and Alonzo have about 10 square feet of scratching left to do, and then we're done. But so that, you sold and Christian he's like, and Alonso upriver? <laughs> no, he's like, but, like, the block, how far did you get? I'm like, oh, we got that shit done, like, an hour ago. And he's like, fucking what? What is, like, yeah. What is scratching? So, is that a, a scratch thing? coat is... Okay. All right. If you're sticking stone, like, normally... They you break your bone. <laughs> you put, like, a metal, like, mesh thing on, like, staple it oh, and yeah, whatnot. Yeah, yeah. And then you take mortar with... It's called a notch trowel that leaves, like, horizontal lines mm-hmm. yes. so that the stone sticks. And the scratch coat is the mortar that you put on with the notch trowel. You know what? Or uh, if you're 14 years old and working in a hardware store, it's a serrated bayonet as you're running around <laughs> trying not to stab be your bored. coworkers. Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking, Jordan has I, you know, in an apocalypse scenario, I assume Jordan would be like the first one dead, but now he's actually like a useful builder. Yeah. So he he will be resourceful and probably. I, well, I don't know about survive, but you'll be enslaved to build stuff, probably. You'll at least yeah, know how to likely. build a wall. What? You'll know how to build a wall. That's true. Well, I, I can build a very sturdy wall. I bet if you give him a pile of rocks... Can you put a roof on it? I can figure it out real quick. You sure? Put some, yeah. You put some ferns up on the roof, mm-hmm. and then... Well, there'll be enough garbage where I'm sure there's plastic bags <laughs> to, like, keep the rainwater out, or we'll put... Let the rain fall down. We'll, we'll melt sea lion blubber. Yeah. Line the top so the water just comes right off of it. Are you playing Dishonored recently? <laughs> What's going on here? That's whale oil. That's whale oil. It is. It absolutely is. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Bumblebutt Podcast, the only podcast on the internet that uploads weekly. Who knows what it'll be about? Certainly not me. My name is Adam. Sitting across from me, as ever, is Cody. How are you, Cody? I'm doing great. How, How are your you? week? Um... You know what? I I was thinking about this about an hour ago. Mm-hmm. So my dear, dear, beloved coworker <laughs> Bradley has been gone most of the week. Right. And this happens every single time, whether I'm gone or he's gone. Instantly, it starts getting busy for no reason. Right. Just out of the woodwork. Yeah. So I've been killing myself all week, and f- yeah, uh, last night. For the first time in like three months, went back. Finally made it back to the tattoo shop. Whoa! <laughs> yeah, some ink done. Yeah, I got uh, all the background of my bicep done. That a boy. So about two, hopefully two more appointments, and I'll be done, done. And then How I long did you sit to, for? Um, probably like four hours. Last night. Yeah. God damn, buddy. Good job. That's like where I can sit without getting like too much, where you feel sick. Man. I got to three once, and I was like, I I'm, I can't. <laughs> thought I was going to fucking barf well, everywhere. He, he, he's like, well, you know what? If you can do like an eight-hour sitting, we can get a lot done, and then give you a big rate. And I'm like, I don't know if I can sit for that long. Yeah. Because you got to pay that no matter what. I yeah. mean, eight hours ain't that bad. I've done seven before. For like solid coloring and shit? Well, for my stomach. Nah. Well... Like when I was getting it done last night, because I have stretch marks like on right near my armpit, mm-hmm. and once you start getting close to them, <laughs> that fucking hurts. Oh Holy yeah, shit! I don't care what anybody says. That scarring that hurts. Oh yeah, yeah. When you tattoo that, but oh yeah, the rest of it's fine. But I I don't know. I used to sit for five hours, but 
I was a lot unhealthier, so I'd always feel like hungover when right. I got done. So right. four hours is perfect. I feel great. And the next day, no pain, just just perfect. Excellent. So what? Uh, yeah, you got about eight hours left, huh? I think so. I think it's basically the uh, inner arm. Gross. So, Gross. Yeah, that's that's not fun part. That's gonna suck. <laughs> yes. In that nice fatty part. <laughs> you know what, man? On my leg, the calf was the absolute worst. That mm. burned so bad. See, I didn't think my calf. Anytime I've gotten it done, was that bad. The we- shin was better. Oh, really? Oh, dude, I would do my calf a hundred times before I do a shin again. Oh, my shin, it went numb. My oh. calf was just, like, digging in. Did, did like... you get the back of your knee done? Yeah, yeah. The pit of yeah. your knee? I imagine that would be that sucks. painful. That yeah. sucks. And the kneecap sucks. Yeah, but, I could imagine yeah. that. <laughs> no more tattoos for old Adam. No, you're done? Yeah, I, right. I think they suck. I think they're <laughs> stupid and they look dumb, and only dumb people have tattoos. <laughs> no, I'd do more if I could... Not be a little, a little silly Sally about it, mm. but they hurt. They what? hurt. Well, I mean, yeah. See, here's the benefit. I'm so deep in that, like, it hurts initially, and then I forget about it within a week. I'm like, ooh, I got to go back and keep going. Yep. yep. So my brain keeps resetting every Dude, time. Dude, it's been over a year since I've gotten tattooed, and I have had such a fucking itch. Wait, what did you get done? Just like one of your Friday the Thirteenth? Uh, no, the last one I got done was my shin. The torch? That oh, was like two years yeah, ago. Yeah, that was two years ago. Yeah, that you might were, even be. Yeah, you were still at Walzer, I think, when you got that done. Yeah, I think Jesus. Casey was still there. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so be it's a been a, a fucking yeah. minute. Go might get a tattoo. And I, also sitting across from me is Jordan. Jordan, Hello. how are you? I am good. How are you, bud? I'm good, Jordan. How's your week? My week has been exhausting. A whirlwind. <laughs> uh, yeah, just a lot of long days. Uh, you were erecting shit, though? I was. That's all that matters in the long run. Yep. Something gets erected, then the man <laughs> gets splected. That's what my grandpa always said. Yeah, I, I can't wait till Jordan like has to do some like a model of like a White House or like yeah. a, a state's building or yeah. like something like that. Hey, Are you going to do that I'd, soon? I mean, yesterday had to do a weird little thing on like a parking spot for... In honor of one of our main builders that we work for, and I say parking spot because that's as far as his neighbors know what it is. <laughs> what and is it, it? A bunker entrance? <laughs> There's like a bunker underneath it. Okay. Ooh, okay. But like we had to do block on top of it, and it was kind of like, oh, it's like two block high, then it steps up to three, and then there's like columns, and then on the front edge part, we had to do like two rows of block that were like 24 inches apart because I put in a planter box in between them with like drainage pipes between the block and shit so Jesus yeah that was fun our boss was kind of like here's what you need to do have fun is it like a vault from like fallout like is that what he's got down there what is it I think it's just a place to like park a skid steer and stuff but like not a nice a, little store. Well, like, if you pull up in his driveway, it's just like, oh, there's, like, two extra parking spots, mm. and then underneath it is, like, a little garage kind of thing. You know what? You could throw a few rifles down there. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sure this dude has them. I was hoping it was going to be, like, a blast from the past scenario. Yeah. Where they, like, they have enough food to live for, like, 30 years down there. And a little robot with spindly arms. Mm. It's like, your birthday. <laughs> <laughs> and then Liam Neeson's your dad. That wasn't his dad. Christopher Lloyd was. Or in, Christopher Walken. 
in... Is Brendan Fraser. I'm talking about Fallout 3. Oh, Fallout 3. Okay, yeah, Oh, yeah, wait, yeah. is Blast from the Past the movie? Yeah. I missed that completely. <laughs> Brendan Fraser, Christopher Walken, Alicia Silverstone... Good. Alicia Silverstone, she's come up like four times for me this week. <laughs> Dude, oh, that's, what no else? Idea that's a name I haven't heard in a while. Is she making a resurgence? I don't know. Clueless People just keep talking about Alicia gosh darn Silverstone. <laughs> but there's only one person I want to hear about, and his name is Dr. Brinkley. Ooh. Ooh. Are we ready to like finally close this, this chaos out? Are we ready to end this shit? It's the Let's stunning get it. conclusion. I think my boy... Fishbin is going to have a big episode this week. He is. He I is. do think Howard Fishman's coming in. I think I'm just going to have another look of shock on my face like last week. I think you will. Um, thankfully, this one, there's not really any disgusting things, Jordan, so you'll be okay. Okay. There's enough, sh- there's enough shocking activities that he's going to do that you'll be I'll plenty interested. That. Fucking perfect. That. So we basically are picking up right when he's about to... Uh, Start his governor run, basically. So. Right. The right. idiot's running. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Now that Brinkley was in the running for governor of Kansas and would only have five weeks to get the vote of the citizens, he would have an uphill battle ahead of him. But, as we know, Brinkley is an innovative man and would come up with a campaign plan that would forever alter the political game in America. So this motherfucker changed the way radio works, right? medical right. shit works, mm. and now he's changing how politics are. Amen. Jordan, by the end of this episode, I think, because I proofread this before you guys came over, I think he changes like about three other things <laughs> in American history. I mean, listen, as episode, much as I so. don't like this guy, from like, <laughs> like already I have to respect him. He's the. I looked into Benjamin Rush a little bit more. Oh, yeah. He's the Benjamin Rush of his goddamn time. <laughs> I feel He's like, revolutionizing everything. I feel like maybe Benjamin Rush should be on our radar for an episode because I yeah. have a feeling he's pretty interesting. He's too. a cuckoo clock. Yeah. Uh, that's one of the things I was looking at. I was like, maybe I could piggyback <laughs> off this and do a little Rush episode. He'd be, he'd be awesome to do one off. Hell yeah. Now, obviously, because of Brinkley's successful radio station, he already had the ears of plenty of the Kansas voters. But he would need to expand beyond just that. One of the things he liked to do was travel around the state in his snazzy blue and gold plane, mm. previously owned by Charles Lindbergh. Mm. Is it the Spirit of St. Louis? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think they had a name for it. Wow. Well, that was Charles Lindbergh's like plane. Was That's it? the one he yeah. did the transatlantic in, right? Was yeah. it gold yeah. and blue? Fucking probably. <laughs> I don't know. I've only seen it in black and white. <laughs> He would then set up a supersized medical show like Rally. Oh my god. Even though he was new in this race, Brinkley gathered larger crowds than any of his competition. He's a celebrity. He is. Now, what was the reason that Brinkley was able to garner so much support? He's a celebrity. Hold on. Well, (laughs) a huge part of that was due to the fact that much of the population believe that he had gotten screwed over by not only the government, but also the medical board. The government sanctioned medical board. Right. They don't like that. He's going to drain the swamp. We're going to go after the medical board. We're going to drain the swamp. We're going to restore the U.S. to the greatest country that has ever been. Brinkley liked to claim he was... Kangaroo to kingdom come. (laughs) 
<laughs> what does that even mean? You know what that means. I don't. <laughs> Please explain. What is this? Like, poor kangaroos. Leave it them alone. It means it's going to use your nutsack like a speed bag and rip it off on accident. Uh, oh. You can get ran over by a car while it's yes. crossing. <laughs> yes. Another huge aspect was... The Great Depression was affecting everyone around the country, which meant less trust in the government. And if the people feel like they can't trust the government, then they will turn to an extreme man like Brinkley, who is different than the other candidates. It's literally 2016. Yeah, this is I mean, a lot yeah. of... like the, I mean, So I'm, far, the parallels are fucking scary. Well, I mean, how many times in American history do you think... The general population has turned to, like, an extreme candidate in, like, a dire situation. At least once a generation, well, Yeah, right? so this is uh, his turn, I guess. Yeah. Now, what exactly would go on at these supersized medical show-type rallies? He would probably talk about China and how we're getting screwed on trade. I think you're right. Usually the show would open up with cowboy singer Ray Faulkner singing his song, song Strawberry Roan, and other songs about campfires and prairie dogs. Lame. <laughs> you don't want to hear a song about prairie dogs? Maybe that was contemporary at the time, but for crying out loud, that sounds like the worst night of my life. <laughs> so it's kind of a song about Timon. <laughs> then Uncle Bob Larkin. I get it. What? He's a prairie dog. <laughs> he's a muskrat or whatever he is. Wait, he's is he a, a lemur, isn't he? No. no. He's a prairie dog. He's, he's like a, the Sahara version of a prairie dog. Yeah, what are they called? Meerkat. Yes, that's yeah, it. Yeah. Right, boys. They're pricks, man. I was really sitting over here. Cody kept going, but I was like, I'm not letting this go. I need to, <laughs> I need to understand what Jordan was Someone went about. and saw the, um, must have been the new Lion King movie, Jordan. Yeah, that was me. How was oh. Will Smith? Well, Will Smith was Aladdin. That was, <laughs> no, maybe he made a cameo in that too. <laughs> no, I like me and Amy went and saw the new Lion King, and did you cry? I did cry. You little bitch. No, I. You can. We can call Amy and be like, "So when Mufasa dies, how did Jordan react?" And she's like, "Oh, he cried like a fucking baby." What? You knew it was going to happen. I yeah. know. Mufasa shouldn't have been standing there. Yeah, what an idiot. <laughs> he should have watched the first Lion King, then he would have realized, get out of there. Scar's a bad dude. Like, the way yeah. she describes it, like, oh, here's this, like, big metal dude covered in tattoos, just... <laughs> <laughs> sounds like you. Everybody DM Jordan to make fun of him. Yeah. Please uh, do. <laughs> <laughs> then, Uncle Bob Larkin, the fiddling champion, would do his set. Ah, uh, he's made an appearance before. <laughs> Followed by the Gospel Quartet doing their hymns near Brinkley. Then the Steve Love Orchestra did a set. Followed by a yodeler and a fortune teller. Okay, why is a why are a yodeler and a fortune teller are higher up than uh, the Steve Love Orchestra? They went after him. Fortune tellers. Yeah, they have a better slot on the bill. (laughs) I would I would go to a show with a yodeler and a fortune teller. Why not? I mean, listen, yodeler quartet. Yeah, and a fiddler. You, yeah. you got, I mean, I'm in. I'd go for just the yodeler. He's covering like ever all the bases right yeah, now. He's getting every demo. <laughs> then nurses would roam around the crowd and hand out balloons, noisemakers, and lollipops. <laughs> Listen, stop, stop getting me into this, man. I'm all on. Now board. I'm really gonna get you into it. Then a Methodist preacher would give Brinkley Ooh. a huge buildup before he finally entered the stage. 
he would head onto the stage in a white suit with a big sunflower in the buttonhole. Hell yeah. Oh my it, god. <laughs> Hell yeah. It took forever for the now amped up crowd to finally settle down enough for him to speak. <laughs> After he began to speak briefly, his son Johnny Boy would rush onto the stage <laughs> and wrap his, <laughs> his son's name <laughs> and wrap his arms around his father's legs, which caused the crowd to begin cheering once again. Aww. It was quite an effective sideshow to get people interested in Brinkley. Now, Morris Fishbin was much less impressed and certainly less interested in Brinkley's antics. He called Brinkley... A paranoid type who wanted the limelight (laughs) and would use every possible technique for getting it. He's a salty boy. Oh, Morris Fishbin. Dude, I think Fishbin's just jealous. I think fishbin means salty fish in, <laughs> in Russian or it's something. It's a type of Norwegian delicacy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, the professional polls were openly mocking Brinkley's attempt at running for governor Fair. with what they called his circus sideshow, but soon learned that he was picking up steam very fast. He was learning to merge his traveling campaign with his radio station and used all available time to broadcast about his candidacy. On rare days he didn't travel, he would spend literally the entire day on air trying to reach potential voters. To reach immigrant voters, he would hire people who spoke German and Swedish to speak on the radio station. When a prominent newspaper man spoke badly about his candidacy... He mailed him a goat. Oh, <laughs> got your ass, man! You son of a gun, have a goat. <laughs> Maybe you should have the virility of this animal. I wonder if the guy checked. You can't his... even get it up. <laughs> oh, this is a used goat. The balls are gone already. I've came to fuck your wife, sir. <laughs> Did he send him Baphomet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brinkley's newfound popularity was causing the two other candidates to begin to sweat a little. They were Harry Woodring, running as the Democratic candidate, and Frank, I think that's Hawk. Hawk. Frank Hawk. Hawk? Hawk. Yeah. Hawk. Frank Hawk was the Republican candidate. (laughs) Nine days before the election, Brinkley had set up a rally in a cow pasture just outside of Wichita. He's connecting to the common, man. <laughs> They're going to get poop on their shoes. They might be hard already. It's fine. Hard poop on their hard <laughs> yeah. shoes. To get an idea of just how many people would show up to these things, this crowd swelled to thirty to 40,000 people. That's a lie. How is that a lie? This isn't a Druid concert. There's, there's, not that <laughs> many, there's not that many people in Kansas at that time. Apparently there is now. Listen, now there is. <laughs> They claimed whenever just a buzzard was flying in the distance, people would yell out, Here he comes! <laughs> <laughs> it's like fucking like old-timey Superman. <laughs> it's a bird, it's a flight, it's Mr. Brinkley. It's He's Dr. Coming. Brinkley. Until finally his, his plane came within eyesight and the crowd erupted in excitement. Woohoo! As a Did plan- he do a buzz over once and just like drop goat balls on everyone? <laughs> oh. He's tossing balls off the plane window. <laughs> As the plane began to land, a loudspeaker spoke out and said, Don't rush, folks. You'll be cut to pieces by the propellers. <laughs> then Brinkley would emerge from his plane with thousands of fans watching him. As Brinkley approached the stage, a man would introduce him as Moses, who has come to lead us out of the wilderness. <laughs> <laughs> now, this particular rally was different than the rest. 
because it was Sunday, and that meant it was the Lord's Day, mm-hmm. Brinkley would reflect on scriptures and let the crowd know, I had rather save a soul than be president of the United States or even king of the world. So humble. He's so humble. Jesus. (laughs) Oh, that man is so humble. (laughs) So with the sun beating down upon the stage, Brinkley delivered an entire sermon about the passion of Jesus Christ, which included stories of his travels to Jerusalem and Palestine. Mm. Brinkley said... I, too, have walked up the path Jesus walked to cavalry. <laughs> I stood in Jesus' tomb. I know how Jesus felt. <laughs> the man in power wanted to do away with Jesus before the common people woke up. Are you awake here? Whoa. This guy has a serious God complex. An actual Christ <laughs> no, complex. He, I don't think it's that. I think he just knows what these people want to hear and how to get to Are them. Are you trying to how say to that the, the citizens of Kansas in 1930 were might have been a little religious crazy? Possibly uh, God-fearing. <laughs> okay. Yeah, just a hair. Might be like where the belt part of the Bible belt is, <laughs> to be honest. Now, there was one man who was not happy about Brinkley's candidacy, and his name was William A. Smith, who just so happened to be the prosecutor in Brinkley's medical board hearing, he wanted to find a sneaky way to get Brinkley out of the race, and he just so happened to find a nice little thing to screw over Brinkley. What was it? So literally three days before the election, William Smith announced a little change if he wanted to vote for Dr. Brinkley. The Kansas Supreme Court had just changed the rules for write-in voters. They would no longer count votes based off the intent of the voter. Mm-hmm. So Smith told the press, if you wanted to vote for Brinkley and for it to count, you needed to write the doctor's name as J.R. Brinkley, mm. not Dr. Brinkley, not John Brinkley, not Brinkley. It had to be J.R. Brinkley. No confusion. None. None at all. You will type these exact characters. Well, not type. You'll use your hand typer. <laughs> Can you imagine how shitty their handwriting is during Awful. this time? Too? I mean, Awful. it is Kansas. <laughs> what kind of literacy? It's basically was Iowa. I don't, I might, yeah, well, I don't know. Iowa's probably worse than this. <laughs> With only three days remaining, Brinkley would have an even steeper hill to try to climb up. So, he continued rallying and doing his best to inform people that if they wanted to vote for him, he they would have to write out their ballot as J. Period. R. <laughs> period. Brinkley. That's kind of what I do for uh, his uh, Instagram J at the end. Period. J. Period. J. Dot, J. Fox. Fox. Yeah. <laughs> he would continue telling the crowd. It has been said that the people who vote for Brinkley think the moon is made of green cheese. (laughs) You have been called numbskulls. But I want to tell my opponents that the greatest handwriting contest that has ever been pulled off in the nation (laughs) will come to pass on election day. Right now, there are Germans, Russians, Lithuanians, and others who have little knowledge of the English language (laughs) staying up nights to learn... How to write the name of J.R. Brinkley. (laughs) Did everybody think the moon was made of green cheese at this time? I thought it was blue cheese or Swiss. (laughs) Yeah. You know what, actually? So I've been diving back into the salad department, and you recommended it, I think, last week. You're Mm. like, go get some cheese. Mm -hmm. So I got some blue cheese, Mm -hmm. and I'm realizing 
It might be a little too pungent for my salads, my mixed green salad. It's a little too punchy. You, I need you're like still a f- using your craisins, right? Uh, no, I ran out. I need Listen, to go get more. It's a fucking delicate balance, okay, you fool. All right. yeah. And I think you I need put to get some through. sunflower seeds in there too. I need to get. Here's sun- all you need to do: feta cheese, spring mix. Yep. Feta or goat cheese. Okay. Roasted beets, some pumpkin seeds, and a nice vinaigrette. Okay. All right. Okay. I'll take that under advisement. Definitely agree with the feta goda cheese. Oh, yeah. Feta or goda cheese. Goat. We'll just mix them Goat, together. Goat, not goda. <laughs> <laughs> when election day finally came, the radio station's fortune teller had a bold prediction. That was that Brinkley was going to win by a landslide. Oh, his own radio station? Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Best psychic in the world here. <laughs> he continued to rally all throughout election day, making sure to inform everybody exactly how to fill out their ballots. One reporter wrote this. There was plenty of alarm, for the early returns showed Brinkley running far ahead. So many citizens had written his name on their ballots, the counting officials couldn't pull him out of the running. <laughs> Not even when they put their heads together and made that the chief objective of the court. After the election was over, the tally would take 12 days, and the results were as follows. <laughs> Woodring, 217,171 votes. Okay. Solid. Hawk, or Hoke, whatever his name is. 216,920 votes. That's That's close. That is insanely close. Mm -hmm. Brinkley, 183,278. Now, hold on now. Now, this doesn't include all the people who had still written in Dr. Brinkley, Doc Brinkley, or other variants that were disqualified. Sure. They estimate that roughly one in six of Brinkley's voters were disqualified, meaning an estimated 30 to 50,000 votes were not counted. That would have So he would have won. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he would have won. Uh huh. So his psychic was right. Yep. Technically. If it wasn't for the old J.R. Jot Brinkley. (laughs) (sighs) Now, this seems like a really good case to demand a recount, but as one paper said, Brinkley's political advisors persuaded him not to institute a contest and demand a recount. They told him it would be better sportsmanship to accept the decision and then run again in the next election, when he would have ample time to get his name printed on the ballots. To make their arguments convincing, they pointed out that when Arthur Capper first ran for governor 18 years before, he was defeated by only 52 votes. <laughs> Jesus. Didn't start a contest, and that two years later, when Capper ran again, he was elected by a landslide and had staying in the governor's office and the United States Senate continuously from that time on. It's about the long term game, fellas. Play the long con. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Lose a battle here and there to win the war. Most of the state of Kansas believe he had been robbed of the election. In fact, his two opponents even later on admitted that Brinkley did in fact win this election. Jesus. <laughs> Brinkley was now at his lowest point. He had lost his medical license. Everywhere. Lost his radio station. Mm. And now lost his race for governor. What could he possibly do next? I'm not worried about it. He'll (laughs) land on his feet. He wasn't giving up yet. No. He thought to himself of another brilliant idea of how to get his radio station back. 
Why not build a station just south of the border in Mexico? That way, he could still broadcast to America with less restrictions from the Federal Radio Commission. Perfect. He's a fucking genius. I hate to say it, but this man is a goddamn genius. He's smart, dude. And he gets to hang out in Mexico. Hell yeah. Tijuana. He loves Mexico. It's way better than goddamn Kansas. (laughs) Now, the only other time that America was concerned about radio stations in Mexico was during World War I when they found out the Germans were using a broadcasting station in Mexico. Mm. They cared so little about Mexico that when Mexico City tried to negotiate the sharing of commercial bandwidths in the mid-1920s, they scoffed at them and sent them to Canada instead. Damn. Damn. So, hey, hosers, you want some commercial bandwidth? Here you go. They didn't even want them. They're just like, we're not giving them to Mexico. Yeah. I don't know. Anyone but Mexico. <laughs> yeah. So when Brinkley would speak to the Mexican government about setting up a radio station, they were eager to stick it to America a little bit. Hell yeah. yeah. Brinkley met with the authorities and promised, one, to bring a lot of cash to the nor- northern provinces, and two, to wreak havoc on... The imperialistic aerial designs of the United States. <laughs> Woo. Yeah, those fucking aerial designs of the U.S. Listen. What does that even mean? They Okay, people were very, very mad about the imperialism mm. and their goals coming out of World War One. Oh, Why were they involved okay. in all that stuff? And everybody uh, would blame everything, including the airspace, what was being played <laughs> on the airspace. Imperial. Exactly. <laughs> They're, they can't be good enough with the ground. they got to have the airwaves, too. <laughs> In March of 1931, Brinkley would sell the KFKB to a Wichita insurance company and headed south. He wasn't done with Kansas, though. He had served his notice that he will be running for governor again in 1932. Fuck yeah. Dr. Brinkley will return. (laughs) He kept his residence in Milford, and his clinic was still open even though he couldn't practice there. Mm. He still had two other quack doctors working, Dr. Ownsby and Dr. Dragu. I think it's Dragu. Yeah, they sound like a combination. Can you imagine uh, getting your balls fondled with a Dr. Dragu? (laughs) (laughs) And my partner, Dr. Ownsby. Now, finding a place in Mexico was the next challenge, but A.B. Easterling, secretary for the Chamber of Commerce in Del Rio, Texas, made the decision even easier for him. It was about 150 miles west of San Antonio, your favorite city, Adam. Mm -hmm. And the city of Mexico just across the border was Villa Acuna. Villa Acuna. Is it Villa Acuna? Yes, it's not Villa in Spanish. It's Villa. I'm English. Shut up. Brinkley liked this site, and the local government agreed to give him the land for free. Oh, shit. Set that shit up. One local historian said... The only radio Del Rio had seen was a homemade set of copper coils wound around an oatmeal carton. (laughs) (laughs) Some prison radio right there. So, in April of 1931, Brinkley was granted his Mexican radio license and construction of his new $350,000 border blaster (laughs) would begin soon. He would give it the initials XER. Of course, what Brinkley didn't realize was that that fishy fish bin knew of the radio station and was trying to find a way to stop it. You it's can't. in a different country. You can't do shit, Fishbin. You can't meddle in Fuck Mexico. Fuck yourself. He, do, he don't give up, dude. He don't I love, give up. I love Morris. So I hope the cartels fucking kill him. 
Jesus. <laughs> so the news reached the State Department, and the U.S. Embassy in Mexico was telling the Mexican government to stop construction. And by that August, facing immense pressure from the State Department, the Mexican government agreed to halt construction of XER temporarily. Cowards. But Brinkley also had a powerful friend in the Senate who was able to get him back on track. Of course he does. <laughs> of course he has a powerful friend in Senate. Probably put some good nuts in him. <laughs> Probably. They would complete construction in October of 1931. That's a very short break. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, he got him going like real, real quick. That's good. And then the Sunshine Station Between the Nations made its debut. Did oh you my write God. that? No, that's what they called it. That that's is great. such a friendly name. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> One visitor said, The transmitter room was the classic science fiction movie idea of a radio, with rack after rack of black, ominous panels covered in meters, water valves, <laughs> buttons, lights, and glass portholes looking in on the expensive circuits. It sounds like a good way to die. Water valves? Yeah, what is that? I don't know. I don't have any water and valves And why are there portholes on this, <laughs> on this mixing know. board? I don't I've know. been in recording studios. I'd imagine they're similar to radio we're, we're studios. Gonna, you're going to learn how powerful this fucking thing is. All right. The first entertainment included Tex-Mex Singers, a commemorative poem supplied by the Chamber of Commerce and Mrs. Brinkley's sister in a solo ballet. <laughs> Great. A solo ballet. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that is. It's probably like the worst fucking song like, you've ever heard. When I hear ballet, I just think dancing. And That's, how do you broadcast that over radio? I don't know. I don't, I she don't is know. spinning. That's what her it right said. foot has know. gone up. She's standing on her left toes. Can you, okay, can you sing during a ballet? Well, I mean, a ballet I mean, yeah. is a dance, right? I don't know. Maybe it's a ballad. Maybe, Maybe it's a, a ballad. solo ballad. Maybe I ballad. said that. That's my bad. I, I probably no, said it, that. it's a ballet over the radio. It's just like a color <laughs> you commentator. Just, you just hear like little She's toes. going for the triple axle. You hear little <laughs> toes. Yeah. Fishman had failed to stop Brinkley at this point, so he turned his attention on tearing down other quacks. He released his book, Fads and Quackery in Healing. Wow. Which exposed some of the newest rackets, including... Aerotherapy, autohemic therapy, <laughs> astral therapy, biodynamochromatic <laughs> diagnosis and therapy, which was when patients face west or east and practices rhythmochrome breathing <laughs> while his abdomen is thumped under colored lights. <laughs> Christostonics, designed to rid the body of impurities and sin at the same time. <laughs> Geotherapy, pressing the patient's body with little pads of earth. Limpiocomerology, <laughs> health achieved by eating Q33 and Q34. Pathiary, poropathy, sanatology, spectro spectrochromism, bathing patient in color lights. Tropotherapy. Vita O Path, 36 quackeries rolled into one, and Zonotherapy, which heals disease in one zone by pressing on another. A toothache on the right side, for example, was treated with a small wire wrapped around the second toe of the left foot. <laughs> Dude. Where did they come up with this shit? Like, oh my God. you literally just make up a word and be like, "Yep, here's what it is. This is this is what's so going on." So here's the deal: I'm gonna push on your chest with some small pieces of sod. <laughs> if I ever get a toothache again, I'm gonna wrap a little wire on like one of my toes on the opposite side and see if it helps. I mean, call me first. I've been practicing zonotherapy for years. <laughs> Have you? Okay, yeah. perfect. Oh, thank God. 
Back with Brinkley, his newfound station was picking up steam. By January 11, 1932, the station had reaped 27,717 listeners from across North America. He had saved the town of Del Rio, Texas, and again began paying for construction of many of the town's amenities. But not everybody was happy. One Mexican paper said... The protesting patriots, the tolerance shown this propaganda of Yankee imperialism, <laughs> and they have sent a copy of their complaint to the Ministry of the Interior. <laughs> it's funny that Brinkley's battling the U.S. government for imperialism, and then the the locals think that he's a Yankee yep. imperial. Yep. Who's <laughs> the real imperial? And once again, Brinkley, genius. Mm. Yeah. Setting up the town's amenities, getting in with the construction boys. Here's what I'm really confused about. Okay, so obviously you have Del Rio and then the Mexican city. But somehow he's like, he can be in Del Rio doing stuff without getting in trouble with the U.S. government. Well, he's not like wanted. No. Well, we're going to talk about what he does in that town later and gets away with it. I don't don't understand. Goat gland. Yeah, it's like I don't understand how he's doing it. Gotcha. But maybe it's like so close to the border that they can't touch him. I don't know. Well, it's still U.S. territory. I don't know. You'll hear about it. All right. To combat his protesters, he added a third tower, which bumped the station's power up to 150,000 watts. Woo! Then by August of 1932, he ended up raising the power of the station to 1 million watts, Uh, making it the most powerful radio station on the planet. I mean, could they do FM at that point or what? I think it's just AM. I I think he was podcasting at this point. (laughs) Fucking hell, man. The internet didn't exist, but somehow it did. (laughs) One technician would say the transmitter makes the hair on your arm stand up. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that's good for you. Or a local said the signal waves were so strong it would turn on car headlights, (laughs) make their bed bed springs hum, and Brinkley's voice would often invade other people's (laughs) telephone calls. Fuck yes. (laughs) They say on clear nights, XCR could reach Alaska, Finland and be picked up by ships in the Java Sea, Jesus. which is in Indonesia. Jesus. Later, Russian spies would claim they used the station to assist them in learning English. <laughs> oh my god. Brinkley's teaching the commies English. <laughs> While Brinkley was obviously promoting his clinic and goat gland operations, much of the country was able to hear Tex-Mex and hillbilly music that they had never been able to hear before, but soon found out how much they actually enjoyed it. Sure. Oh well, yeah. That's spreading culture. Mm, you're gonna. We're gonna talk about some real famous people who used to listen to him. All right. Oh. The doors were wide open for all sorts of acts, such as Patsy Montana, Red Foley, Gene Autry. Hey, I've heard of Gene Autry. Have you? Home, home on the range, right? Is that him? Yeah, I think so. Mm. Jimmy Rogers. The Pickard family and Cowboy Slim Reinhardt, <laughs> along with several others. <laughs> it was soon received the nickname Hillbilly Hollywood. <laughs> A country music historian wrote that Brinkley popularized Hillbilly music throughout the United States and laid the basis for country music's great popularity in the late 30s, in the late 40s, and early 50s. See, there you go. He's doing this shit too. He, he made Jesus. the Nashville sound, apparently. <laughs> apparently. He also had another person who took the air by storm. Her name was Rose Dawn, a.k.a. the patroness of the Sacred Order of Maya. All right. Maya. 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 
She peddled, she peddled a self-help package that included step-by-step directions for obtaining your desires. Mm. Also included a guaranteed way to increase your income and how to develop personal magnetism, all for the low price of four dollars and ninety-eight cents. Listen, I I would pay that right now <laughs> to increase my income. He invented Miss Cleo. <laughs> Well, I think he brought her on the air, and then she started this herself. That's great. So she's smart. Good for you, Rose. Okay, say you didn't want the self-help package. Okay. Well, Rose promised to pray for you if you sent her a dollar. Oh, no, that's... <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't you? I guess you're just trusting that she's going to pray for you. She also did on-air predictions, which included that Brinkley would make it to the White House. Oh, <laughs> Like for dinner? <laughs> I think he's the president now. <laughs> With the success of Rose Dawn, Brinkley had another brilliant idea. Why not just let anyone come on the air and promote whatever they wanted? Hell yeah. Yeah, all you uh, bigwigs out there, let <laughs> us come on your shows. Hell yeah. We'll promote you. We'll Access promote us. Hollywood. I mean, shit, I'll promote American Eagle. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Be like, hey, they make jeans. Of course. They're going to fit on your legs. <laughs> That's your slogan? We make jeans that are going to fit on your legs? They'll fit on your legs. <laughs> hey, man, I'm not wrong. <laughs> of course, he would charge $1,700 an hour to do so. Oh, genius. Soon, XCR was flooded by people jabbering about crazy water crystals, electric bow ties. <laughs> okay, now I'm, ra- now I'm in. <laughs> rupture cures. Genuine stimulated diamonds, tomato plants, life insurance, live poultry, and an array of religious items, including Last Supper tablecloths (laughs) and autographed pictures of Jesus Christ. (laughs) They stopped him at the airport. (laughs) I would totally buy one of those. Jesus, Jesus, do you have a minute? (laughs) Are you kidding me? (laughs) Apparently people bought autographed pictures of Jesus Christ. I would buy that step one. If somebody said, excuse me, I have autographed photos of Christ, I'll take two, please. (laughs) How much you want to bet if it's just like Jesus Christ written in English, even though he obviously didn't speak English? I hope so. Now, can I get an autographed picture of Jesus Christ (laughs) with an electric bow tie on? I should should search Etsy and see if there's autographed pictures of Jesus Christ. Oh, I'm sure there is. (laughs) See if we can get a Last Supper tablecloth, too. One person even peddled a wind-up John, John the Baptiste doll that would walk around until its head fell off. <laughs> Baptist. Well, I don't know. People call him Baptiste. <laughs> no. <laughs> Whatever. Fuck you, John. Nobody calls him Baptiste. Oh, John the Baptiste. <laughs> I call him that. He's got croissants and blue cheese. Cock of in. John the Baptiste. In 1932, the FRC banned spooks, mind readers, astrologers, fortune tellers, (laughs) yogis, mystics, psychiatrists, and seers. They knew just where to go. Overnight, the Mexican border was crawling with turbaned individuals once suckled by shamans or teleported from Dimension 9. (laughs) I just want to say that very first one... I don't know if that means the racist thing. No, 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 no. I don't think that's racist. (laughs) It sounds bad, though. It sounds really bad. (laughs) This is a complete shock, but in those days, the FRC forbade evangelists from soliciting donations on the air. Wow. Can you believe that? Now there's full TV networks. Everywhere. They're everywhere. Joel Osteen. (laughs) 
but much like the goat gland operation and the medical question box, many follow suit with Brinkley's idea. Mm. Eventually, 11 other radio stations would be set up along the Mexican border. One man would say, Preachers fought off Satan right on Mike, screamed about killing the rich and eating them. Yeah! <laughs> I mean, I'm all for it. This sounds like good radio. Yeah. I want to listen to these crazy people on the radio. Crazy? This guy's saying everything I want. <laughs> of course, with all this crazy shit blasting through the radio waves, the advertisers are going to get their fingers involved as well. I well, hope yeah. So. You might hear some products that could change your life, such as Colorbach, hair dye which caused lead poisoning, <laughs> Lashler, which caused blindness, Radthor, which Radithor. was Radithor, which is certified radioactive water. <laughs> what? It's good for you. It's activated water. Keep in mind, Jordan, when I'm reading what's in it, they didn't know till later on. So keep that okay. In mind. But still, Corlamu, I don't know. <laughs> later found out to be a cream used to remove hair made of rat poison. Yeah. Oh, so it's like the original Nair. I got this for you, Jordan. Or Lysol, which was being touted as a safe douche. Oh. <laughs> No, lady. I'm a safe douche. Please. You're gonna have a clean. Yes, but probably hurt it very much oh as well. <laughs> I got Lysol toilet bowl cleaner on my do, wiener one time, and that ooh. shit hurt. Do you remember um, uh, Boardwalk, Boardwalk yes. Empire? That girl was using Lysol as right. a douche. Right. Hey, remember in Sixth Sense? I haven't seen it in so long. Yeah, but that kid got poisoned with Lysol, right? No, I think. Well, no, was it? What was his? You mean what his mom was pour, uh, yeah. pouring in the soup? Yeah. I thought that was just like medicine. Oh, oh I thought or something it, to keep her sick. Pine salt? Maybe, maybe? Pine salt. maybe it was pine. Because that's what Marshall Mather's mother tried to kill him with. Uh -huh. mm, is that why he's so white? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's and slippery, uh, clean as hell. And <laughs> why do you always smell like a lemon, man? <laughs> <laughs> now that it was 1932, it was time for Brinkley to return to the governor's race. Let's Fuck. Go. Yes. Early early polls already showed that he was four times more popular than the incumbent. William Allen White wrote this about Brinkley's boosters. The moronic underworld of the state. <laughs> Thank you, sir. His boosters happily crowned themselves as Old Bill's white morons, illiterates, and underworld characters. They're taking it by... They yeah. just took it. This just added more fuel to the fire. Hell this yeah. is... We're the deplorables. <laughs> Basically, the idiots. You're idiots this, if you vote for Brinkley. This is our last presidential race. It is. It is. <laughs> is it really reminding you of that, This Jordan? is the Donald. Yes, because like, they're embracing the negatives, people say, and then, you know, the mega crowd, they're like, we're the deplorables. <laughs> we're the ones cast off from society. <laughs> no one cares about the white man. <laughs> Brinkley would tackle his rallying a bit different than he had in the past. Now that he was not a doctor any longer, his traveling medical sideshow wasn't going to cut it. Actually, before he got too far into the race, apparently he became a bit paranoid that the incumbent governor was actually trying to assassinate him. Whoa. I mean, it makes sense. He's, <laughs> he's gonna win. This intensified with the Lindbergh baby case sweeping the nation. Right. Brinkley claimed that the current governor was making threats to kidnap his son Smart. and was actually granting certain prisoners clemency to take him out. He told his manager, Ernest A. Dewey, What I want, Dewey, 
It's a bulletproof vest that goes <laughs> down below the waistline and, and protects both front, back, and sides and fits up around the neck Whoa. because I am not going to be in it too safe along in October and November this year facing some of these crazy mobs. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is to be kept an absolute secret. In your negotiations, you should never let the people you are negotiating with have any idea as to who wants it or anything about it. Should it become known that I am wearing one, the fellow would aim his bullet toward my head or some unprotected spot. Mm. Is this like a fucking Iron Man suit he's wearing? Dude, he wants full, like, a knight's armor of Kevlar (laughs) or something. He just came out and, like, He wants a bulletproof duster. God. That's what it is. Ah, that sounds pretty sweet. And he wants it to be invisible. (laughs) Basically. Someone call Harry Potter. He's like, Dr. Brinkley, why do you weigh like 400 pounds right now? And she's like, shink, shink, It is muscle mass, my good man. Why are you sweating so much? (laughs) Dewey then did what Brinkley asked, and when he supplied him with the bulletproof vest, he said it was... Exactly like the one worn by Al Capone, and therefore (laughs) ought to be the best available. (laughs) If it's safe for Al Capone, it's safe for anybody. Hey, the only thing that killed Al Capone was syphilis. It's true. That is true. Ironically... Brinkley's old radio station, KFKB, that was now being called KFBI, would allow him to promote his campaign on the air. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> A little deeper into his campaign, Brinkley claims he had another stroke of genius, and that was a Chevrolet truck they would call ammunition train number one. <sighs> What this is was a pickup loaded with a portable trailer stage, loudspeakers, and mounted with a five-mile horn. Brinkley said, I just realized that I could put a talking machine on my truck, and it could stop in a lot of little towns where I would not appear in person to make speeches, and of course, the truck would attract the crowd and the man in charge. (laughs) After the crowd was collected... You could play some of the records, and I could make a speech or two from the record. <laughs> you may hear this jingle. Surgeon J.R. Brickley has talents rare and great, and occupies the limelight in our sunflower state. He keeps us all in wonder what he will bring us next. In surgery or statecraft, a lesson from a text. <laughs> that was beautiful. Very good, Jordan. You should definitely have Drew do this song. Yeah, right here. Son. <laughs> And so, the sound truck entered American politics. Wow. Wow. See? Right here. There's like number Bull, three, dude. Bullhorn boy. <laughs> yeah. Dude. See? I'm telling you. Brinkley actually got a bit frisky mm. when he decided to take his truck and park it outside a baseball field in Emporia, Kansas, which was the current governor's hometown. He actually, he actually gave a rather interesting speech here. He said... I just hope Mr. White and the Kansas City Star keep on ripping me wide open. (laughs) Because if they do, I'm going to get at least 500,000 votes next November. (laughs) The American Medical Association ran me off to a 5,000 watt station and I bounced up in Mexico. Yeah. They will never keep Dr. Brinkley off the air. (laughs) For if Dr. Brinkley cannot broadcast on the continent... He will buy a ship and construct a half-million-watt broadcasting station on it and cruise out beyond the 12-mile limit. And then what I say will be a plenty. Yeah! Radio pirate. Dude. This, well, that's amazing. 
this election was full of mudslinging, mm-hmm. as you can probably imagine. Oh, no, I thought they'd all be friends. <laughs> In fact... It is believed that Woodring tracked down Brinkley's old partner, James Crawford, Whoa. who was selling cars in Kansas City, Missouri at the a time. A fucking month ago. <laughs> yeah, quack doctor, used car salesman, what's the difference? This gets better, Jordan. And offered him $250 to follow Brinkley's campaign and give a speech after Brinkley did. <laughs> Crawford refused. In fact, two years prior... Crawford was doing time for armed robbery. Yes, one armed robbery of a local hotel. <laughs> How does he get away with the loot? I don't know. The loot? I don't know. <laughs> and was offered to be freed from prison to give damaging information about Dr. Brinkley. Oh, my God. But he didn't do that. Hey, at least he's not a snitch. I, Brinkley snitched on him, and he's just, like, yeah. not selling him out. Well, I, I don't think he knows that Brinkley snitched on him. Dude, if I got robbed by a one-armed man, I'm just giving him the money. I'm saying, yeah. sir, yeah. please take it. You First need off, this. Listen, yes. he pulls a gun on me. I'm be like, yes, here's my wallet. Grab <laughs> it with your one hand. Yeah. He has to drop the gun. That's true. That is true. What or if, you throw the wallet, then he chases after it, and you hit him in the head from behind. <laughs> That's how you do it. He drops the go. gun, you kick it away. And then you grab it and be like, give me my fucking wallet back. <laughs> then you robbery. give him the gun back. Yeah. <laughs> then you rob him. You just keep doing it over it's, and over. It's a vicious cycle, boys, but... <laughs> You'll never get out. <laughs> Norman Baker seems to never actually be able to not be copying Brinkley. Fresh off starting his own border blaster in Mexico. Wow. He was also attempting to run for the governor of Iowa. Oh, <laughs> But in the end, only received about 5,000 votes. <laughs> <laughs> Brinkley's first wife, Sally Wick, made a public appearance as well. She said, The children and myself would have enjoyed a little car of some kind <laughs> and even asked him, John R. Brinkley, for the price. But no. This would really hurt his votes with the women. Mm. What would really hurt Brinkley was the other man running for governor, Elf Landon, who some said had... The charisma of a chemistry professor. (laughs) (laughs) That's brutal. That is not a compliment. That sounds dry as a fucking bone. Right, right. Because of the Great Depression... Many citizens were beginning to realize that an extreme leader during a desperate time in America was maybe not the best idea, and so Brinkley would once again lose the election by 30,000 votes. Fuck. Yeah, but how many of those didn't count? Uh, They didn't say that. He had enough time to, like, get his shit on the ballot, but what it sounded like when I was reading this kind of cut it out... They said crop prices were like 90% down from what they were. Okay. How do you even make money then? You're losing money every time yeah. you harvest a crop. God, that would have been brutal. That's yeah, what's the point? I know it's brutal. With Brinkley's election defeat behind him, he returned to his beloved station XER. Actually, what he had been doing was recording in Milford, Kansas, and then sending the transmission by telephone to XER, that they would then broadcast it. The government quickly put an end to this with the Brinkley Clause, which made it illegal to do so. <laughs> he literally changed U.S. broadcasting laws. Yeah, that's right. So you can't call from... You can't transmit a broadcast over a telephone line, I guess. Okay. So Brinkley's response 
we should just send them a pre-recorded broadcast yep. on a record. Yeah. And so okay. the pre-recorded commercial was born. And the podcast. <laughs> Look at Jordan. <laughs> he can't do it. Yeah. I love this man. <laughs> He's good. He's recording his fucking broadcast. Mm-hmm. In 1933, Brinkley decided to finally close the doors of his hospital in Milford for good and move his operation to Del Rio, Texas yeah. on the third floor of the Roswell Hotel. On October 7th, 1933, Minnie and Brinkley left the Milford Hospital with everything from inside, including 30 hospital personnel and their families, (laughs) and headed for Del Rio. Now, his two main quack doctors decided to stay behind and unknown at the time had actually stolen his client list Mm. in hopes to continue their work in Milford. Sure. Brinkley believed by demolishing all of the buildings in Milford, he would prevent this. But in the end, they ended up opening their own practices anyway. I mean, they learned from the best. Right. So why would they... They got the cash cow coming in. Why would you stop? Yeah. Now, Del Rio was elated to have Brinkley's arrival. Hell yeah. They're getting new roads. Mm -hmm. They knew he would invigorate the economy with an estimated $20,000 a week. It soon earned the nickname Dollar Rio. (laughs) (laughs) Boo. Brinkley liked to tell his listeners about the Texas sunsets. It was as glorious as those that kiss the bounding billows of the Mediterranean <laughs> into a flame of gold. We're going to message Ashley from Creeper Real and ask if that's how te- if Texas sunsets really are. <laughs> they weren't that cool when I was there. Sure. It didn't take Fishman too long to start receiving more and more complaints from Brinkley's procedures once again. So Fishman would contact some of his friends in the State Department once again and try to get this madness stopped. Now in July of 1933, they had set up a North American radio conference in an attempt to persuade Mexico to stop Brinkley. Of course, Brinkley would send 16 of the best lawyers to help combat the U.S. government, and initially, Mexico stuck to its guns. But in early 1934, Mexico seemed to have changed its mind and decided to shut down the station. On February 24, 1934, soldiers would arrive at Villa Acuna to seize the station. One report said... A violent confrontation was narrowly avoided between the federal troops and local citizenry loyal to the doctor. I'm going to start a civil war here over the radio station. (laughs) Brinkley would agree to shut it down temporarily and said, I desire an amicable settlement with the Mexican government, (laughs) enclosing the largest, most powerful broadcasting station in the world. (laughs) The Mexican people will suffer. But I shall be back with you again, my dear, dear friends. He's so poetic. Yes. (laughs) Of course, Brinkley swiftly sued the Mexican government for breaching their contract. He then would purchase other smaller border blasters, X-E-P-N in Piedras Negras, (laughs) and X-E-A-W in Reynosa. They were having trouble keeping up with Brinkley's movements. Mm -hmm. Then finally... 20 months later, on December 1st, 1935... Never forget. <laughs> the govern- the Mexican government ruled that Brinkley's contract had indeed been breached and illegally seized. So Brinkley would return to XER, except decided to change the name to XERA this time. Oh. It doesn't say why. I have no That's idea why. sneaky little devil. <laughs> they also noted... That during the worst years of the Depression, 
Brinkley would make an estimated $12 million. The average doctor was making $3,000 to $5,000 a year with $7,000 to specialists. He made, Jesus. he made all of this without himself per- performing a single goat gland operation. <laughs> yeah. Like $12 million a year. No, no, no. I, I think that's over like three years. But three still, year but even yeah. that nowadays is absolutely insane. <laughs> and he made that during the Great Depression. Think about how <laughs> crippled everybody in the country was. And this guy is just like rolling in cash. Not too long after he had opened his clinic in Del Rio, he had decided to completely get rid of the goat gland procedure altogether and instead created a new procedure capable of affecting a change of relationship between the epididymis and the gland itself. (laughs) The results are astounding. I can say truthfully that keeping an almost weekly touch with the some 700 patients I have operated on here in Del Rio, Texas, that I am producing 100% results. Hashtag 100. Keep it 100. Now, what he was actually doing was a vasectomy, but his secret was to squirt mercurochrome, I think that's how you say it, Inside the scrotal sac, which caused the patient to emit colored urine for a couple days <laughs> to show how much it was working. Secondly, secondly, it seems he tried to corner the prostate market. <laughs> That's a lucrative market to corner, my friend. <laughs> he would create another prostate softening plan to heal it of disease and infection, mm. but nobody is really certain what he did. <laughs> He always would claim he wouldn't even tell his wife the secret. Well, she doesn't need it anyways. <laughs> exactly. If you were interested in the procedure, it came in three tiers. Poor folks for $150, average mans for $750, and the businessmans for $1,000. <laughs> the last was recommended for owners of... The finest automobiles, the <laughs> finest homes, the best horses, the best diamonds, and best works of art. And promise the... Compound technique. The rock of Gibraltar of Dr. <laughs> Brinkley's work. What the fuck is the rock of Gibraltar? It's got something to do with the Bible. Yeah, yeah. I assume that's what it was. After surgery, the patient would be charged an extra $100 for six tiny bottles of Formula 1020 of course. to be injected sequentially once they got back home. Brinkley told his radio audience, What more do you want, folks? How about a second hospital in San Juan, Texas? Yeah. This one's specializing in diseases of the female and male rectum. Yes. He's getting into the butt game. <laughs> And ladies, while you're there, don't forget the estrogen. We are now able to give you for the loss of sexual strength. <laughs> Wonderful sexual strength may be returned. Hell yeah. Remember, Del Rio for the prostate and San Juan for the colon. <laughs> Brinkley actually would make a promotional film that would air across theaters starring himself and his wife, Minnie. All right. Brinkley would say, Hello, my friends in Texas, Kansas, and everywhere. This is Dr. Brinkley, speaking to you from my lovely home in Del Rio, Texas, where summer spends winter. Oh, looks who is here. Then Minnie would enter the frame and say, 
You'd better listen to doctor, or you'll be much worse off than you are now. <laughs> but excuse me, I have to go off to the kitchen to cook our Sunday dinner. <laughs> you can trust what Minna says, folks. After all, she just came from communion. Oh, my <laughs> lord. How you you got to trust someone who just came from communion. My eyes are rolling it's out of my com- head. It's just common sense. Now, at this point in the story, it may seem almost inconceivable that Dr. Brinkley could remain somewhat out of the eye of the authorities. <laughs> but for the next several years, he basically just ran his radio station, collected money, purchased mansions, hosted lavish parties, and traveled the world meeting important figures. In fact, he had three yachts he would use to travel. The Dr. Brinkley 1, the Dr. Brinkley 2, and the Dr. Brinkley 3. No way. (laughs) Oh my god. I feel like someone as smart as he is could come up with better (laughs) names for his fucking yachts. He's the great Gatsby right now, Uh, man. He... uh, wouldn't you call your yacht Adam 1, Adam 2, oh, yeah. and Adam 3? Yeah, now that he gave me this idea, yeah. <laughs> Fun fact that with the XERA success with bringing country and Tex-Mex to a broader audience, few notable mu- musicians would actually recall listening to it. They included Chet Atkins, Waylon Jennings, mm. Tom T. Hall, and Johnny Cash, who would actually end up listening to June Carter singing on XERA and would later marry her. Wow. Wait, you're saying his radio station was responsible for like for these people? inspiring some of yeah. these artists. Because they heard it when they were kids, and they're like, man, I can do that. And then, look, they became fucking famous as shit. And they made it their own way. Right. That's okay, great. when you said, like, I, I didn't think that these people would be influenced by his station, but right. Jesus Fucking Christ, those are some of the best country artists of all time. Right. Inspiration like, takes strange avenues, Like, Jordan. if you think about it, remember how powerful his station was, dude? He could, yeah. like, get all of America. A so. million watts? Yeah. yeah. One of the... I can't remember which guy, but it's like he basically, like, ran a shitty little wire into an antenna just to listen to his sure. radio station. Because they were very poor, you know? Yeah, copper coil in an oatmeal can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, amongst his travels, especially when he returned from Germany... He found that there was one certain person he thought was doing the right thing. No. Adolf no. Hitler. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> Businessman in the 1930s, um, that's going to happen. <laughs> Dr. Brinkley seemed to really find solace in the Nazi party yeah. and anti-Semitism. <sighs> yeah. I don't like him anymore. <laughs> he wasn't that open about it like some other Americans, but he did donate money to the Silver Shirts, one of America's best-known hate groups when the Nazis took power. Mm-hmm. They said his pool had, like, he put swastikas, like, and near his pool. like, designs, so. Great. I guess he's into it. <sighs> he really Fuck future-proofed you, it. <laughs> <laughs> That'll never look bad. Now, what would start the eventual downfall of Brinkley was when he had just opened a new hospital in Little Rock, Arkansas in February of 1938. Ironically, right when Morris Fishman's latest publication, Modern Medical Charlatans... Another one. He's Dude, he publishes. He's just, he's gone. Oh, yeah. Hit the newsstands. It went hard on Brinkley. This may have been Fishman's Hail Mary to try to get him. Fishbin wrote this about Brinkley. A blatant quack, whose professional record reeks with charlatanism of the crudest type. (laughs) One in whom quackery reaches its apotheosis. 
Without anything resembling a real medical education, with licenses purchased and secured through extraordinary manipulations of political appointees, <laughs> and with consummate gall beyond anything ever revealed by any other charlatan, Brinkley continues to demonstrate his astuteness in shaking shackles from the pockets <laughs> of credulous Americans. Not the shackles. <laughs> I think we found out what religion Mr. Fishman <laughs> I, is. I think you're yes. right. Now, Brinkley, being a man with perhaps a bit of an ego... A little one. ...decided to sue Fishman for libel statements and actually followed through with it this time, because if you remember, he tried this before. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of what Fishman wanted to expose him for the quack he was. And so the trial of Brinkley vs. Fishbin would take place on March 22nd, 1939. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. This trial happened on my birthday in 1939. Did it really? March 22nd. Damn. Happy birthday. That's that's almost what? Oh, so close to 50 years on the dot. Ah, that sucks. 49. Can you imagine this this trial on court TV? Dude. Now... This was a fairly long and strenuous trial. A lot of people believe that Fishbin had actually overstepped his bounds with not only Brinkley, but also several other doctors. Keep in mind, Brinkley was actually one of the country's most famous doctors around this time, so people were paying close attention. I feel like all Fishbin has to do is be like, he's a Nazi. (laughs) Not that bad of a thing in 39. That'll come up again. After the trial was over, the jury deliberated for four hours and came back with a ruling in Fishbin's favor. Hmm. They said, That plaintiff should be considered a charlatan and quack in the ordinary, well-understood meaning of those words. This was bad. Bad news for Brinkley. Hmm. It exposed his racket to the entire country, and most agree that if he wouldn't have tried to sue Fishbin, he could have kept the racket up for several years. After this trial, it opened the floodgates for lawsuits against Dr. Brinkley from former patients of his. To make matters worse, the IRS was now after him for owed back taxes. Mm -hmm. With his considerable mounting debt starting to add up fast, he had to begin laying off employees just to keep his head above water. Then, in early 1941, Dr. Brinkley would file for bankruptcy. Brinkley listed $300... (laughs) 300000 in assets with more than a million dollars of debt. Now, bankruptcy would allow him to keep his mansion, furnishings, clothes, diamonds, insurance policies, a photograph of the doctor, and one car. Nice. <laughs> I don't know why they threw the photograph and they're like, who wants that? <laughs> and his creditor soon caught, caught wind of this, but Brinkley had managed to switch the assets to his wife and son's name. Ooh. In March of... In March 24th of 1941, Minnie Brinkley would also file for bankruptcy. They kept trying to hide their wealth, but eventually it would be all gone. Damn. On top of that, his radio station was owned by the Mexican government, and his hospital had not been incorporated under his name, and he would lose both of them as well. <sighs> now completely broke, Brinkley would become an ordained minister by mail, and after consulting an astrologer, would attempted to run for U.S. state senate seat, but that didn't go anywhere. What does that have to do with the astrologer? She she told him that he needs to try to run for a senate seat, apparently. 
Around the same time, Mexico and the U.S. had ended their feud about allocating bandwidth with the agreement Brinkley was never allowed to be on the radio again. <laughs> That's how they came together. Yes. <laughs> One AP reporter said that the station was transmitting news broadcasts unsuitable to the new world under the aegis of foreigners sympathetic to the Nazi cause. There we go. There were rumors swirling that Brinkley was actually a Nazi spy, oh. although that's not true. On June 21st, 1941, Brinkley wrote this letter to his wife. Honey, it seems my heart will break since you phoned XERA was being torn down. As long as this did not happen, I had a faint hope. <laughs> my health is gone. I am ready for bed and out. Love, Daddy. <laughs> Three days later, he would have a heart attack. No. He didn't die, though. Brinkley's health would slowly begin failing after this. In August, they found a blood clot in his leg and had to amputate it. Brinkley did have one final shining moment in his last days. That was when Norman Baker was convicted of mail fraud. <laughs> Apparently, his cancer cure, consisting of watermelon seeds, corn silk, carbolic acid, and water, was deemed to be actually fraudulent. What? <laughs> Wait, that doesn't cure cancer? Apparently not. <laughs> Finally, on May 26, 1942, Dr. John R. Brinkley would die in his sleep in his home in San Antonio, Texas, he would be buried under a large monument in Memphis, Tennessee, where he and his wife, Minnie, had met. Mm. Minnie would pass away on January 8th, 1980. Damn. At her funeral, they played a ZZ Top song that speaks of Dr. Brinkley and his Mexican radio station. Wow. What, what ZZ Top I, song I forgot to look it up. You can look it up real quick, everyone, Jordan. His grave was defaced in early 2017. The winged angel atop the column marking his grave was cut off and stolen. Oh. His house, commonly called the Brinkley Mansion, still stands today at 512 Quelia Drive in Del Rio and has been designated a Texas historical landmark given the number 13015. So I wonder if you can take tours of this thing. I Probably. Know, or, it's a historic landmark. Yeah, at least the grounds. So, at least you can see the grounds. I mean, even though he was a bad guy, he did do a lot of shit that changed the world, you know? Yeah. So, um, so yeah. The bad guys can make positive changes, too. Right. Even if they're serving their own <laughs> fucking ambitions. And so, even if they're Nazis. So, yeah, that's the uh, that's the saga of Brinkley. He, he rose, 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 and then... Flew too close to the sun, yeah. young Icarus. He, he wanted Fishman out of the way, and he that did. was his down. And then yep. once that started, he fell fast. He, he got too. He got overzealous, basically. Yeah. He fell flat on his dick. Yeah, if he would have just uh, so Fishman might be the original troll. True, trolled his ass and then got him, roasted him. <sighs> Apparently, they had like a. Uh, there's a part I didn't include, but they had like a. Uh, like face to face encounter of a stare down shit, like right before the lawsuit started. Wow. So they'd met in person before. You would think so. After yeah. I mean, they've been slinging mud at each other for fucking nigh on a few decades there. Right. So everybody out there enjoying the radio, think of Doctor Brinkley. Yeah. Yep. If you um see a fucking annoying loudspeaker mm -hmm. political thing rolling around your town, think of Doctor Brinkley. <laughs> if you hear one eight seven seven cars for kids, yep. think of Doctor Doctor Brinkley. <laughs> Listen, Cody, this was a great four parter. Like Thank you. this 
so far this is your opus. Yeah. Like this was magnificent. The uh yeah, we've gotten a lot of positive positive feedback about this and I really think um you know, I think just I don't I was talking to uh, Travis when I was getting tattooed yesterday. I don't know if you guys agree. I'm like up until after World War II, it seems like America was still in that Wild West period for certainly. a long time. Oh, like, yeah, certainly. You could, you could literally just tell people you're a fucking doctor. You could do anything you wanted. Yeah. And then it seems like after World War II, it's like everything just kind of like changed. People got a lot more secure, yeah. focused. And then he brought up Dr. Death, and I'm like, well, this one guy versed yeah. <laughs> like hundreds <laughs> of them. <laughs> An entire army of quacks. yeah. yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah, that, he, he's a crazy dude. I would have never, if it wasn't for my random trip to Half Price Books, I would have n- probably never even found this fucking yeah. guy. That's why that place is valuable. Yeah. Somebody knew about this book. And I'm, I'm going to have to visit Half Price pretty soon here, yeah. like this weekend. Just go gander in there. I mean, there's so many good books. and Just go get lost for a little bit. Yeah. we, we I've, I think this show really likes like really early America. Yeah. You see people oh, yeah. be in there. It's good. It's because people are so fucking it's, weird. It's strange. good stuff. You, it's stuff you'll never see again. Right. Because it's right. just, we've moved past that. Yeah. Everybody's got internet now. Yeah. They know who everybody is. That's true. If you want to know who we are, you can email us at bumblebuttpodcast at gmail.com. What's that, Adam? Bumblebuttpodcast at gmail.com. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at bumblebuttpod and Facebook and Instagram at bumblebuttpodcast. We all have our own personal Instagrams as well. Mine is at Mumble Adam. Jordan's is at J period J period Fox. Preach. And Cody's is at Cody's above, mm. like BL's above, but <laughs> with Cody's name. Uh, now it's time for the most important part of the show, at least if you ask Cody, and that is the iTunes reviews. Okay, Spring. we we got one new one, and I forgot to read one. They got misplaced because that's of, right because Sticklets jumped ahead of him. Sticklets, he 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 has a tendency of jumping <laughs> the line, doesn't he? <laughs> so our first one is from Brandywise. Come for the true crime, stay for the comedy. Mm. The way these three guys feed off of each other is great. I love their candid take on things, and the sound quality is astounding. Nice, dude. The, the amount of research that goes into every facet of this show is so rare. You always hear other shows saying. Oh, I forgot to look into that. But anytime the story is told, I get all the facts. That's capitalized, by the way. Most podcasts do research on the internet alone, but you can tell these guys really immerse themselves in real investigations and read books pertaining to the subject. Great show, guys, and thank you for keeping the laughs coming. Now, the second one is, I mean, I'm laughing. Thank you very much, Brandon. Yes. Thank you very much. Sorry. Second one is, I mean, I'm laughing by DV Joe. My coworker who is friends with y'all was like, hey, you should listen to this. Man, okay, so I did. I'm in stitches and I'm not even halfway through listening. Hey. Thanks for mixing crime and murder with humor. Legit prime AF. Uh, yeah, this is uh, uh, Nick, my friend Nick. Uh, he recommended us to his coworker and he just texted me yesterday saying that she listened to all the episodes, I guess. so. Fantastic. Yeah, Welcome so, aboard. Yeah, so thank you very much. Thank Thanks, you, Nick. Yes. Thanks, Thanks uh, DV. And it's Brandywise. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, and Brandywise. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. We like, fucking love those things. Oh, my God. Hearing those reviews, like, anytime we get them, it's just fantastic. I know. It's good stuff. It is. Thank you so much. It's really good. Right. And you know what else is really good? Mm. Our audience. Oh, and yeah. we should oh, yeah. leave and let them <laughs> enjoy the rest of their day. So that's going to do it for me. 
I've been Adam. That's going to do it for Jordan. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you, Adam. That's going to do it for Cody. Thank you, Cody. Thank you, Adam. And everybody, have a nice weekend. Unless it's Tuesday. You're all.